Arg, Grog. Hey everyone, it's a Sideshed Podcast with me, Peter Fickling, Kerry Warbis and Matthew Weir. Uh, well, I felt really bad for Kerry this week because I thought you were going to get to hear Brian going absolutely postal on um, Adam and um, Alice. and They robbed you of it, Kerry. It was off mic. It was off mic. I, I liked that we heard Alice get stroppy about it and the fact that Brian had just laughed at their suggestion. That was nice. That made me feel good. But did you... But you didn't feel a, a little bit bitter. I mean, because I mean, uh, in the end, it worked out okay, didn't it? Because you got a big slice of Brian at the end of the week, and Matthew got his his lovely big chunk of Paul. But she, you know, like fifty percent of the Friday episode. But uh, uh, but yeah, I did. Um, after all of that cuddly stuff with Brian, I was looking forward to a big old kicking. But anyway, and, and we can we can get into that after the after the ad. But how are you two doing? Really good, thank you. Yeah, chipper, chipper. Any particular reason? I don't know. It's Friday. I'm with my mates on podcast. Um, yeah, what am I turning up, Kerry? <laughs> yeah, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. <laughs> no, all is good with the world, I think. Kerry, did you write that down? What? That bit that you just read out. It's Friday. I'm here with my uh, mates. <laughs> no, uh... It's not not a scripted thing. I think the listeners know that we get on just about. See if you can do a more convincing, be more convincing. Matthew, how are you doing? I'm great. I'm um, knee deep in marking exams, which I mentioned off air. The written test was to describe a concert, and I believe that I could actually feel in my dreams that I've been to a Taylor Swift or Harry Styles concert. Consort. Con- oh. <laughs> and Harry Styles consort now. He is royalty. Um <laughs> one kid went to see Post Malone and he got straight A's because it wasn't Harry Styles or Taylor Swift. <laughs> so Kerry, I um I mean obviously mm. Matthew is as always uh erudite, witty, um, you know, uh full of vim and vigour. But could, did you notice like me before the podcast that he does sound quite frazzled? There's a kind of there's a kind of like exhausted energy. A man who has stared the devil in the eye and you know made it away barely with his life intact. Just I th- a week of marking would finish me off. Yeah, I, thought, I thought that was you. That's every week, isn't it? That is quite fitting, actually. Yeah. Well, you did say that you were you felt like you might die because you're all poorly. Well, oh, you still you haven't shaken off your poorliness. Maybe I'm projecting onto Matthew. Then oh, the poorliness is just the start of it. Oh. No. Luckily, we haven't got Will Grundy here to offer his diagnosis. Sepsis! <laughs> to anything, yeah. Oh, well, you know. I mean, it nearly, took, it nearly got rid of my sister. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm on Will's side. Oh, shit, um, really? Uh, uh, with that little bit of cheeriness, should we chuck an ad in? <laughs> yes, get Blimey. us away from sepsis. Millions of people have lost weight with personalised plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, 
they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. So um, Ben hasn't killed any of his old people with sepsis, has he? He's, he was visiting Jasper. Um, Auntie Christine got another mention. Um, Jill turned up with, um, you know, she's back on the cake-making duties. Um, is that, I mean, why do they even bother? Apart from the, with the birthday this week, it was, it was like a slightly pointless, pointless plot, wasn't it? I don't know. I think because there's that book, Ambridge at War, and I think someone, someone in the script room has just dug out, dug that book out, and has decided to air a few storylines from it because a lot of people were posting over social media that the the lamb, leek, and prune pie was actually in the Jennifer Aldridge cookbook. And I'm sure in Ambridge at War, there must be this story of the POW camp because Sykesy, aka Jasper Carrot, told Ben that there'd been a, a quarter shot, wasn't it? A POW camp, mm. a Brookfield. I thought he was going to be like, oh, really? That's what we've called the B&B. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to quarter shot. You'll never leave. Um, yeah. But I thought it was a bit like David probably thinks it still is a POW camp. He's been trying to break out for years. <laughs> The Russians but then are we had, shit. Yeah. Did I tell you guys about my mate Terry from Oakland who was in a Japanese POW camp, in internment camp in America? No. no. Yeah, so, you know, anyway, just, just, no, just fascinating slice of history. Just chatting to me, he remembers when he was a little boy being, you know, bundled off to Japanese internment camps, but it's absolutely bizarre. Anyway, but it's, it's sort of like, but yeah, but with the when I was listening to um, Jasper Carrots, sorry, Sykesy, uh, by the way, the only person who says Sykesy less convincingly than him is Jill. It was really... Oh, the whole thing was shit. I, w- I wish Ben had killed him off somehow with a disease. He's he's absolutely appalling as a actor and character. It's, it's bloody awful. And Jill recognising him is mildly interesting. That didn't quite work, though, did it? Because no. she said, Sykesy! And then she said... We had a fellow called Sykesy who worked on the farm. I was like, aren't you meant to do that bit the other way round? She recognised <laughs> but... him first and then backed yeah. it up. Also, why is she taking a birthday cake to the laurels for someone she lives with? Because Ben left it behind. So she stalked him. She cake stalked him all the way to the laurels. Well, you meant to take your birthday cakes everywhere you go then? Apparently. In oh. <laughs> Jill, mate. Uh, um... <laughs> So uh, I like the story about the the Italian POW that charmed a bunch of London evacuees mm. at Brookfield and escaped. Um, apparently his name was Vincente Casio. <laughs> it was, yeah, Luca over dare. <laughs> <laughs> it was Luca, wasn't it? Yeah, while I climb up very, the defence. <laughs> very good, Kerry. Are they? Um, are they? Do you think there's going to be some kind of ridiculous uh, um, mm. that explains where that person's from plot, or there's some kind of you know? No, because they caught him, didn't they? That doesn't matter. He could have got up to all sorts. Exactly. While he was a, while he was away mm. for two or three days of freedom, he might have had a, a sort of a tumble on the hay bales with a, a young Jill Archer. 
Jill said it's that was before her time, so it's it's she right. might be the fruit of Luca's loin. Oh no, that she's too old for that, isn't she? Why did she say it was before her time? I guess before her time being around Brookfield and possibly Ambridge. Mm. Okay, because she yeah. only she only stepped up when Waterface got killed in the burning barn, didn't she? Mm. So who could be progeny of Luca? The other way. Don't know who's got a bit of the uh, the Italian suaveness about them in Ambridge. Who would you say? Well, Ian with his pizzas, um, traditional, <laughs> yeah, know, <laughs> um, <laughs> popping candy and salmon pizzas or whatever it is that he's serving up. <laughs> <laughs> we all sort of were meant to think, "Where's this going?" But exactly, thank it you. Just yeah, fizzled, didn't it? I, I honestly think it just got pulled out of that book. I haven't read that book, but if that's not in there, I'll be amazed. If anyone has a copy of Ambridge at War that you have to send, you would like to send me, please send it to me. Surely you don't just mention a prisoner of war camp and then it's this is never mentioned again, do you? Uh, that, that it does seem very odd, and I, I mean, mm. uh, is it? Are we supposed to learn a lesson from it? Is there going to be? Are we going to be taken down memory lane and be given a little bit of kind of a bit more perspective on kind of uh, you know the Germans and the Italians and some of the communities that cropped up? Like there's a big Italian com- sorry, there's a big Italian community in Ger- in Scotland, isn't there? From um, from prisoners of war. Um, yeah, and there's ice know, cream people. Germans up in the north. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I'm you know I, what's the, I'm, is, is this going to be? Us, us being taught a lesson by the scriptwriters. I really hope not. Another, we don't want another lesson, do we? I reckon there's a massive Italian community uh, in Darrington, and it's all all to do with they 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 broke out of Brookfield's POW camp and fled to the next town. Maybe that's why there's such a rivalry. There's a war coming. Do you know? What? Sometimes it doesn't feel like it ever stopped being a POW <laughs> camp, does it? <laughs> like they, it just goes well, on and on. Especially for Clary, she's not allowed out, is she? Yeah. Oh my lord. Pretty much. You know, if you do, if you do leave, someone vaguely linked to you might take a photograph of you and send it to your husband. Oh, do you know what that reminded me of? I mean, do you remember? I mean, Facebook's been around what since two thousand six, two thousand seven, in terms of how widespread it is, but. Around about 12 years ago, they started adding that function that if you hadn't upped your privacy, people could tag you and say that you were in a location. So, like, I went drinking in Bristol once and told a select group of people that I was home for the weekend. And we were out with someone who friend requested me. I didn't know them. They did it. And then they started tagging me in different locations as being with them. And then people who I hadn't told were home started messaging me on Oh, you're back in Bristol. I was like, how that even someone showed up to the pub because somebody else was telling everyone where I was, and that really annoyed me. And that felt a little bit like these two at the what was it? The 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 Frig Fest? What was it called? Fiddle, where were they? Fiddle, Fiddlers Fest. Yeah, they, but it was it was the three Fs, wasn't it? Oh, the Faircastle Fiddler Fest. <laughs> I didn't know that about Facebook. But, um... Oh, it was bloody annoying. I had to go in and change all my privacy settings because some no mark was bloody saying, "Hey, now I'm in the in the the cat and wheel with blah 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 blah." And then people start showing up, going, "Oh, we heard you were here." 
very intrusive, did not like it. The whole thing about Chloe, it was so depressing. The whole thing. I felt very depressed. How she was going, fix that sink, fix that sink. Um, and he was like, I'll do it later, do it later. But at least put your cup in the sink. Oh, it's just, I just felt how awful it must be to be her. And yes, he was doing a good thing. Ha, ha, ha. That's funny, isn't it? But he caused her loads of sort of strife and grief in the lead up to it. All he's done is like plonk a pergola from his mate's house into their garden. <laughs> exactly. On his birthday. And he, and he was moaning. Well, he was saying, oh, he got a shop-bought birthday cake. Uh, I knew something was wrong. Something's up because she hadn't made me a birthday cake. Just f*** off. I can't abide this sort of thing. She's such a drudge. And for her to get so excited about going to touch some yarn and, you know, go to this f Wednesday festival. <laughs> Apparently, at one of them, they're going to... They're going to knit a scarf. Everyone's going to knit, knit an oh. individual patch of scarf so big it can wrap around the church. What sick, twisted individual tries to create massive pieces of material? It's just so weird. I don't get yeah, it. Couldn't they, couldn't they put that to better use, really? Yeah, you'd think so, wouldn't you? Um, I mean, Clary mm. might be annoyed because she said she's been shitting potatoes since January. That's enough to put anyone in a bad mood, isn't it? Do you know, this week, Brian said to Usha tonight, well, we edit our memory as I go along. And as I heard that, I thought, well, Kerry f***ing does. <laughs> no, I thought I liked it when Brian said mammaries count, not stuff. I think she said those potatoes have been sitting since January, uh, but it sounded like she said those potatoes have been shitting. Because she's got a bunch of Aaron pilots and Swifts ready to go into the trenches. I think um, Clary would swap for the trenches, to be honest. I was with Kerry. I thought yeah. it was unbelievably depressing. And uh, and also, the and like you inferred, Kerry, the, the, the payoff, the payoff was that uh, was that he had just been shit because he'd been doing this this thing for a behind her back. But it didn't it didn't stop the fact that for the previous it's like it's the boy who cried wolf. The fact there was a wolf in the end didn't mean that he hadn't been a dick for the rest of the story. And, yep. you know, the same thing with Eddie. Him being a complete prat for 30 years shouldn't be suddenly forgiven uh, just for one moment of thoughtfulness. And I know they're in love and I know that we blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But just listening to, listening to her being bullied at work, then being bullied in the home and being out of her mind with stress, exhausted, and no one listening to her. her, her the only person who's been kind to her still kept, kept on ignoring her for most of the, the show anyway. And then also every... When every time Susan was kind, she then had to kind of reference it with some kind of "not my Neil, he's a saint." Oh, oh I, you know, my life's amazing. Clear as water, he is. Uh, yes, awful, awful, awful. And Helen adding to, like you have just mentioned, Helen adding to the awfulness that is Clary's life by sort yeah. of squashing her into some tight uniform and breezily going, um, "Oh." It's exciting though, isn't it? And Clary was like, "For you, for you, maybe." You maybe. And they had to suddenly. I mean, 
work late and tell their other halves that they're working late and pack everything away. I, I can't abide any of this at all. I mean, Clary shouldn't be sort of thinking, I'll fix the sink myself. She She's too much of a sap in all of it as well. And I don't think it's love if you treat people like this. Are you saying that Neil, no, Eddie is toxic? Yes. Okay, there you go. <laughs> Um, by the way, on Sunday's episode, on Leaky Sink Sunday, when he was trying to, or not, fixing the sink, and he was saying, shouldn't you be in church, Clary, and all this, did he already have the pergola planned? I don't think he did, did he? That came later. He was just shirking at that point. Yeah, because the pergola came about when they were in the pub, Neil and him together, and they were trying to think of a way to cheer up. Clary, why don't you just be a better f***ing husband? That would cheer her up. <laughs> okay, um, so let's do our socials. <laughs> no, you know what I mean, though. It's just, I think Eddie seemed to be this like, oh, he's so funny, isn't he? And she's like, no, but right, live with him then. Be his wife. I don't want to be down on men, but like, uh, it's like we've all got the we've all got the friend who who um, they cook on a Sunday and they use every pot and pan. And it's like they're, they're, they're completely absented from, you know, or any other contribution. It's the only time of the week they cook. And it's, and it's like normally some enormous piece of meat. And it's just, it's just like, yeah, okay, fine. But you, now everyone else has to tidy up. And you could have just made a spag bowl during the week and that would be much appreciated. I don't know. It's just this sort of, you know, Eddie, it's, it's these big, big gestures to make you forget about the kind of day-to-day uh, um, yeah, laziness. Yeah, it's all smoke and mirrors, isn't it? Smoke and mirrors. She didn't even want a f***ing pergola, did she? Like you said, it's just the tears, isn't it? You know, you've got the, the carters are slightly above the Grundys, aren't they? Because the Grundys are now mm. getting their hand-me-downs while they build this summer house. Yeah, that annoyed me. That annoyed me. Yeah. It's the truth of the situation. It would be sad for Eddie and Clary to miss out on this nice thing because their pride won't let them take, you know, a hand-me-down from a friend. But it's just another reminder of something we've moaned about frequently, which is the Grundies always have to operate, live, live in this position at the bottom. And then within that sub-pack, within that sub-group, the, the Grundies, the lowest of the low is poor Clary, kind of like Baldrick without the punchlines. Mm. Already she's trying to fend off the kids from chalking all over it and putting stickers on it and stuff. You know, people like, that's funny, isn't it? You know, it's already almost getting wrecked by feral Grundy kids. (laughs) (laughs) There's a real real venom to your own perspective. (laughs) I get that as well, because if it was Jack and Henry, they're playing the hot tub or they mess around. It wouldn't be... Um, suggested that Jack and Henry would graffiti things, would it? Because they're they're Helen's kids. They're better. They're better behaved. They're not allowed to touch anything, are they? They weren't allowed to play with the soapy bubbles. That was some sort of crime in Helen's world, wasn't it? They're not allowed. You know, they're sort of the other end. They're not feral and and wrecking things. She made a real half-assed attempt at pretending to care about Clara's situation, didn't she? Oh. She she was getting her beak in as well, wasn't she? She was like, "What's happening at home? What's what's that?" That sounds terrible. Here's a cow costume. Put it on. <laughs> Sorry to repeat myself, but it's exactly the same thing we said a couple of weeks ago. Where fundamentally, she did some nice things. She's like, she doesn't. I mean, she probably doesn't have to pay them for those two days that the dairy shut. You know, <gasps> she could have done what I'm. 
not defending Helen. I'm just saying that. But in, even when she's like fundamentally sort of trying to be a reasonable human being, there's just something about her that makes you want to go. No, although telling um, telling an employee that isn't it nice because they've got a new uniform is a really shitty thing to do. I did I didn't appreciate that. I know we mentioned yeah. it earlier on. When she did say to them, um, and of course you've got the two days off because it's short notice, you'll be paid. Which it was like she was expecting a trumpet fanfare or something for that, wasn't it? Yeah, you've you've, you've been badly organised, Helen. So yeah, that's your cost. You haven't run your business properly, yeah. so that's not that's not their burden. You idiot. You really want Clary to say, "Well, like you know, fantastic new uniforms." You just want Clary to say, "You put them on, then." <laughs> make Ellen wear some ridiculous cow embossed. I've got the inspired. Do you remember the old um, Inspiral Carpets T-shirt with the cow with like the the twirly eyes? That's what oh, I imagine yeah. their logo is. I think they're going to get <laughs> sued. They? At least <laughs> yeah. Clary did say to um, Helen when she said about working late. Well, that's going to be overtime, whichever way you look at it. Yes, get in up the workers. Yes, Clary. Yes, yes. F- the archers. Sorry, we probably shouldn't say that on a podcast of <laughs> the archers, but there you go. Some, someone also pointed out, which I really hopefully come, think comes through, wish comes true, is that the massive window is going to somehow, um, because of the sunlight coming through, is going to wreck how the cheese <laughs> is made and stored and stuff. Because <laughs> so it's all going to just be curdled and scrambled and stuff for that stupid, <laughs> stupid window. Yeah. Do you reckon they've? Ch- yeah, because Lillian suggested this builder who'd who'd been who'd had a job drop on him, so maybe he hasn't checked the solar position. Yeah, it's going to be like Raiders of the Lost Ark in the map room when the sun comes in. Oh, oh my God! Susan will be on the microphone going, "Oh God, it's eighty degrees!" Really tugging at her tight uniform. We need poutine. We need too much poutine. <laughs> <laughs> the yogurt's alive. It'll be like The Last of Us. <laughs> so did you? Yeah. Did you? Um, as usual, they did the the thing that they do they do every week at the moment, where it's compare and contrast. So you've got the massive meltdown and dysfunction of the Grundies, and then you've got you know Helen and her uh, her kind of like what was it you called it? And Bridgestan or something? Her 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 uh, Amsterdam well, bridge um, with the old milkers being through yeah. the glass. Peter, did you just say Ambridgesan? Yeah, I think I did, yeah. <laughs> what the f***? I don't know, just sort of... I, I, I was listening to a podcast about Afghanistan earlier on. Maybe that's what happened to my brain. But... Okay. <laughs> so it's prisoners of war in one camp and then Afghanistan in another far. Yeah, well, maybe, because once the sun hits the dairy, she might be creating weapons of mass destruction, so you never know. Her other atrocities were mentioned, weren't they, by Brian? He's like, oh, I don't mind about that, when he was talking about moving into the house. But... um the other thing, um, so but the, what, kind of contrasting all the horrors uh, of the Grundies was um, Brian being the very best version of himself, as we said at the head of the show, uh, being yeah. this incredibly caring and loving version of himself. I mean, this is if this is what happens when um, Jenny buggers off, then um, you know it should have happened to him years ago. He's been delightful, and then you and, and I know yeah. Kerry, you would have loved, loved, loved the scene with him and Adam, their bonding and closeness at the horses. Adam sounded actually almost normal, I thought, in those scenes. But you you ruined it for me because I couldn't listen to it because all I could think, all I think when Adam's on is, what's this doing to Kerry? What's this doing to Kerry? How angry is Kerry getting? <laughs> oh, God, Kerry's never like this. And then, and then you f- 
with me because then you're like, oh, actually, it was fine. <laughs> he wasn't too bad. This is the first week ever where I've on Twitter publicly said, actually, he sounded almost OK. I did wonder, though, do you think Brian killed Jenny just before the lease was up so that he could sort of run away? Will he get life insurance money and stuff? He sounds like a new man, doesn't he? he sounds absolutely amazing. Yeah. I know. I think he might run off with Paul or something. See. But he wasn't there though, was he? I know, but poison and all of that. You know, you can drip, drip, drip little bits here and there. Okay. Brian's a clever man. He's also yeah. if he poisoned the whole county, he can poison a you know, septuagenarian. <laughs> 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 Brian was magnificent. Brian was accosted by Lavinia. Was it Lavinia at Cheltenham yeah. Races? And Adam had to rescue him from her. And I was like, Jesus, how bad must Lavinia be that Adam coming to, <laughs> to your rescue is a thing? <laughs> yeah, they had a right old time. I loved it, though, because they were having such a good time, really bonding. And Brian was saying, I do love you. And, you know, you're a better dad than I ever was. You're a better dad to Xander and stuff. And then Adam just went... Um, I found a letter from Paddy in Jenny's pocket. <laughs> I'd like yeah. to get in touch with him. That's what I was researching really late last night. Is that okay? Brian was mad cool with that, though, wasn't he? He was like, you know, yeah, that's fine. He said, I'm surprised Jenny kept the letter, but whatever. Mm. He was all right with it, wasn't he? He was glad it didn't have ribbons around it. I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, like, the modifier is like, I'm proud of most of the things you've done, Adam. Like, not when you've lifted five grand out of the company accounts without asking. Oh, and there was a bad bit. There was a bad bit of Adam where he sort of went, um, thanks, it means a lot, Brian. And he went, oh, you nearly called me dad then. He's like, no one heard that he nearly called you dad, to be honest. Was he set? Like, he, Adam paid him a compliment, wasn't it? And like you were more of a father, I think of you as more of my father than anyone. And Brian just went, that's wonderful. Had a bit concerning. (laughs) (laughs) And so we don't have to turn into the Waltons as well. That was good. Let's go for a drink. Oh, did he say that? Yeah. I didn't hear that. Oh, very good. Um, I was wondering who, um, Brian won money on the 130 and the Arkle at Cheltenham. Um, I was hoping he put money on the the 450 because Jazzy Matty won that. And I'd like to claim a bit of a credit for that, you know. I've got a mate who every year he goes back to his parents' house and he turns off his phone and he just he take his old he turns his own his old uh, childhood bedroom into the cave and he just watches the Cheltenham Festival, just bets the whole time. Like it just his whole life shuts down. He books time off work, won't take any phone calls, no emails, nothing. It's just all all God. festival. I have a couple of colleagues. They would take Cheltenham off. At work in Dublin, it's like, oh, you going over? No, they just sit at home with the betting app open. Is it that big and a just... thing? It's massive. massive. Like it's huge in oh. Ireland. It's huge. I I went over twice when I lived in Dublin. I got um I got told six months in advance that a horse was going to win the first race of the Cheltenham Festival that was being trained in Ireland, and I put a fortune on it and it won. So it's entirely crooked. No, it's not entirely crooked. This guy tr- trained this horse to specifically win this race. He ran it oh, right, at that right. distance every time, at every hedge, at every fence, sorry, at every length, and he, he got it to perfection. Peter, did 
Did your mate win money or was he, you know, was it the thrill of the gamble or? He, I think he's one of these people, I don't think anyone, I don't think anyone, I think very few people are kind of professional gamblers, are they? But with the horses, mm. but he, um, from memory, he, he like, you know, it, it, it pays for itself. Like he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't lose, if that makes sense. Mm. Okay. I, I will add, can I add a disclaimer? I was a younger, more foolish man then. I actually completely disagree with horse racing now, ethically. I just don't think it's cool at all the way the animals are treated. I... I'm curious as to how it's gonna how it's gonna fare now that the Queen's dead, because obviously the Queen offered a kind of uh, veneer of gentrification by you know like uh, being its kind of patron, literally and sort of you know, unspoken patron for for years and years. And I think now it's probably going to go into the into a bit of a slide because like you know it's now just synonymous with um, corruption and um, women getting their tits out and too drunk at the the epsom isn't it i went to cheltenham a few times and the last time i was there i had one of those i'm never coming here again moments i don't know what stall or stand that brian and adam were in i mean the tickets range from 500 way up into the thousands so i think they were somewhere quite fancy because they were like spot of lunch <laughs> spot of lunch. yeah most of like the time it's like dog? a hot dog that you have to queue for like four <laughs> hours for while loads of lads from bloody Swindon. So, oh my God, I didn't mean to say that. I really didn't mean to say that. Sorry. I'm not from Swindon, so that doesn't make any difference to me. But uh, as, you, as you were. I did go for the worst place I could think of and just said Swindon. Bunch of lads from Reading uh, like kicking off and fighting. It was just ugly. And I was like, I, I don't want to be here again. Like I, I had fun the, la- the last few times, but I'm done with it. So it's just cockfighting and bear baiting for you now, Matthew. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Is it St. Patrick's Day today? It is, yeah. Or is it? Okay. Apparently in, in Dublin, I don't know if it's across the whole country, but in oh. Ireland, they've restricted sale of alcohol until, they did restrict sale of alcohol until 5pm this afternoon, uh, which means they've probably learned their lesson. Uh, or either that or... Being an entire cynic, they want to sell loads of alcohol in the supermarkets on Thursday night. Well, that's exactly what would happen, isn't it? Yeah. Well, that's because you can't get a beer even in a restaurant or a bar on Good Friday in Ireland, which means that everyone overbuys on the Thursday before. Um, the only way you can get a drink is if you're checked into a hotel or if you have a valid train ticket to travel whereby you can enter the bar at a train station and get a drink if you present your ticket. So tra- the the train station at Connolly and uh, Euston stations in Dublin have to hire extra staff for that day in the bar because it's their busiest day of the year because people buy the minimum fare ticket and just drink in the pub all day. If you essentially tell somebody you can't do something, they'll do it <laughs> to the max. Bloody hell. Such weirdness. Yeah, I miss pubs. I really miss pubs. Oh, Peter. Oh, well, never mind. Yeah. Well, I miss them too, Peter. I don't go to pubs here. There's no pub culture here. Yeah, but you can, you've got you, you've got your, you send us videos all the time of you, you lot sort of sitting on a kind of a, a well-appointed terrace watching the sunset as, you know, a 50-foot wave crashes on the beaches of Porto, uh, having a, <laughs> a bottle of, uh, you know, cheeky red. Little bars where shots are one euro or whatever. You're not going to have reciprocal pity from me, Matthew. <laughs> If you mention pity and Kerry mentions the one euro shots, the one euro shots were called Giri Pity. 
and they were horrific moonshine, honey-based brandy, whatever. Never again, literally. Oh, Alice said that Brian couldn't live in the nest, didn't she, because of alcohol. She said that it was an alcohol-free zone. And then when Jacob had mentioned that research has shown that grandparents living in the same household as grandchildren, they're mentally and emotionally better off. She then sort of went, I've done some research and and I'd like Brian to live with me. I thought, you bloody liar. People who sort of pretend that they've done research and they've just like nicked it off someone else. Annoying. (laughs) Yes, Matthew, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, very good. It wasn't a good look either. The sort of whole kind of uh, when it when there was some self interest, all of a sudden she was being a good daughter. But we'd all heard. Her. I know mm. it's the whole point of a soap opera is you get to hear the duplicity and the hypocrisy and stuff. But mm. we're allowed to get annoyed by it, aren't we? Oh, I mean, yeah. Also, I would like to challenge that theory. I don't care how much research Jacob has done. Like everyone living under one roof, I dispute that that's good for the kid. I don't care what the findings are. I don't. Th- I don't think that's healthy. Fuck the kid. What about the poor old father who has to um, cook extra meals for fussy parents yeah. who all now have um, dietary requirements? <laughs> My dad turns up with his freshly found vegetarianism. My mother-in-law, who I adore, she's here now. She's gluten intolerant or something. <laughs> I can't remember. Which anyway, Peter, lactose Peter, intolerant. Peter, darling, you're sounding like Clary. You need to sort of stand up and go. I'm not cooking anymore. No, because like Clary. Just like Clary, I would be uh, then be a complete fuss pot and a pain in the ass if anyone else started cooking. So you know, I've got to be I've got to be honest about what a control freak I am. I can't, you know, ah, it would be unfair. Right. To, it would be unfair to pretend that like if anyone else started cooking, I'd be kind of like really just easygoing and cool about it. Okay, well, that's very magnanimous of you. Can we get out of here without mentioning the Alice seeing Joy in Jenny's scarf scene? <laughs> Oh. I loved Joy in that, where she was like, I thought you were going to take me handbag there, love. Yeah. Joy taking her tagine for a walk around the village. I forgot she had Jenny's scarf on. <laughs> yeah, on a little trolley. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was like, funny, wasn't it? I, there was that bit afterwards where Sue, I thought Susan was going to be a bitch when she came into the shop. Because she was like, oh, what's the matter with you, Joy? And I thought Joy was going to say, oh, because I got this scarf. And then Susan would be like, I wanted that scarf. Yeah. And I took it to the bring and buy at the WI. But then she was, Susan was really cool, wasn't she? She yeah. was really nice about it. And and there was that bit, you know, sitting out. Brian wouldn't have given it away if he didn't want someone to enjoy it. It sounded bloody awful, that scarf. Hand-painted sunset. I'm just imagining it. I did. Uh, I was uh, very taken by Brian all week, but I did find that long story about um, with Jenny and Alice. <laughs> sorry, no, it was uh, Brian and Alice kind of like talking about the scarf. I did find that a bit kind of cloying and saccharine. Yeah, I did. That was on yeah. Sunday, wasn't it? it was I was much. a bit pissed. It wasn't um, Portugal because she said Portugal, and then he corrected it to France. I was like, damn it! Yeah, he thought it was Portugal. She had to correct him. He had no idea, basically. He sort of went, it was somewhere sunny anyway. <laughs> somewhere I shagged a waitress. I can't really remember. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she gave me it cheap, that scarf, because I touched her up. <laughs> Every day is a new step forward in this existence. 
He was saying very strange things, wasn't he? There's a rich vein of things that you say, Kerry, that if Matthew or I said, this podcast would be struck off some kind of register. <laughs> she, she, he, he got it for free for touching her. That's the only reason I'm here. Why does Susan... Sorry, Peter. Sorry, Peter. No, no, just Kerry's, Kerry's version of the world where men going go around finger-banging women and getting given, like, you know... <laughs> Discounted given, scarves. Given Counted scarves. It's kind of it's not the world I live in. (laughs) Listen, it's not the world I live in either. Obviously, it's it's the world of the script writers. (laughs) Okay, I've had I've had a three go run up at this question. Please help me out. Why is Susan after a top hat? Yeah, for Jim, isn't it? This whole I didn't know the answer to that, but it's to do with the electric charging station protest. Is he going to go full Steve Bray, like the anti-Brexit guy outside Westminster? Oh, what, with a sort of megaphone or thing that's continuously playing stuff? And the Benny Hill soundtrack. I hope so. Well, that's preferable to the Easter Bunny <laughs> honking away. Because apparently this guy Fred, who, as I heard it, he comes from a place called Stoner's Farm. Did you hear that? That's a farm I could get to like. Yeah, and apparently does magic tricks for kids. It's like, yeah, I bet he does. This all oh, sounds God. very bizarre. I didn't hear that. Yeah. But I wish there was a stoner's farm. I'm pretty sure that's what I heard. It might have been Stone House. Um, yeah, I mean, Brian dropped the ultimate question at the beginning of the week where he said to Alice, do you think Adam's okay? <laughs> Well, that's a whole other episode, isn't it? <laughs> okay. Shall we have an ad? Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. So um, Matthew had to chuck an emergency ad in there before Kerry um, launched into a three-hour um, lecture as to why <laughs> no, Adam was not okay. Um <laughs> as citing evidence uh playing us excerpts from previous weeks um but yeah no the short answer is no adam is not uh, not okay um so kerry you you didn't have to deploy your log this week because you were um the archer's biggest hashtag the archer's biggest um um, adam macy fan i did deploy the log it's uh imperative that must always happen the moment he first speaks in any episode whether that's the omnibus or... And in case my clue wasn't broad enough, uh, Kerry always... Uh, we just, you know, we, uh, it, but there's lots of jokes that we, I think we sometimes assume that listeners know about. And actually, 
Um, we got a, we, someone said recently they just found us. So for for, for comparatively new listeners, Kerry has uh, always on Twitter. Um, every time Adam comes onto the Archers and um, puts up a particular gif of a log, there's no other way of describing it. It's very tragic, really, isn't it? It's been going for years and years and years. I wonder if I can find the very first time I used it. But it was basically, you know, his wooden acting. That's what it refers to. We need to make you. We need to find the um, the copyright and make an NFT of that particular gif, just so you can actually own the log. Um, yes. like, you know. Um, technically, it could be some of our merch as well, couldn't it? We should do some log merch. But um, Kerry, yeah. uh, more to the point, uh, where do people find log action? At the Cider Shed Pod on Twitter um, is where to find us. I had a really good interaction today, which made my day on Twitter. Chris Aldridge, great surname for uh, the Archers who is the continuity, one of the best, well, the best continuity announcer on Radio 4. He and I have had to and fro on Twitter for many, many, many years as Kerry Warbis. But he didn't realise until today that I'm the co-host on the Cidershed pod and he's just become a new subscriber. He was like, how did I not know this? Um, so he's now going to listen to the side. Hello, Chris. Radio 4 Royalty. Oh, yes. And also on Twitter today, Mike F45, he tweeted today that he's lost £14 in five weeks listening to the Cider Shed on his treadmill. <laughs> Blimey. Pretty good, isn't it? I've gained, it just I've gained that just recording it. I was about to say, we chug <laughs> booze and uh, eat eat junk food every Friday to get through, the, to get through it. Meanwhile, he's as fit as a butcher's dog. It's good, isn't it? Well done, Mike. Imagine being on a treadmill and listening to us. <laughs> Double chore. We did have two five-star reviews as well since last podcast episode. Uh, one yeah. is from ICU Doc, and they say, witty, suitably ironic, and a wry look at a much-loved show. And the other one was from Morello7777. Rumble in the Jumble is a particularly inspired title that gathers all the utterly insane strands of the Archer's plotlines neatly and economically in three words. Miss this and you'll miss a joyous celebration of all things Ambridge and life generally. One thing that doesn't get mentioned is, seeing as we're doing a bit of uh, housekeeping, is that people might not realise it's really worth reading the show description every week because the way i listen to podcasts is i just you know i see it click on it listen to it but matthew does always does custom descriptions every week absolutely cram full of his trademark wordplay so there's there might be quite a lot of you don't even realize that yet yeah, one click and you've normally got a couple of um uh, matthew's golden nuggets staring up at you <laughs> jesus christ <laughs> that sounds like Are a they... hostage situation <laughs> I was going to say, are they shaved or not? <laughs> I, 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 I know what I know. And, uh, you know, they're a, they're a treat for they're a treat and a gift for us all. Um, but Matthew, um, if people want, if people can't, can't get enough golden nuggets, <laughs> golden nuggets <laughs> on, on the, the description, where else can they get them? Um, they can get them on our, in they can get them on our Instagram, which is at the, at the, at the side of shed. Hang on, what the hell's our Instagram? At the Cider Shed pod. Pod. And we have a Facebook group, 
which is called the Sardis Head Podcast. Yeah. No, I, I, I do have a little go at those titles every week. Um, the Rumble in the Jumble, that dates back to about 1996 when me and my good friend Simon saw two old women fighting in a charity shop. <laughs> <laughs> and I coined it then. And, you know, you wait long enough. You wait 27 yeah. years and finally <laughs> you're doing a podcast about the archers and the Aldridges are fighting over a, their dead mother's clothes and it just all falls into place. Just uh, never give up on dreams, kids. <laughs> also, Jacob is the best person to be in an escape room with and we didn't discuss it. And Paul's <gasps> moving into the house, which I said. There you go. Yes, you go. escape room. I went to an escape room recently and got ejected before the time ran out. That's, <laughs> that's a good way did, to get out of an escape Did you room. take a wild lamb in with you, Kerry? None. But our group got kicked out. What did she do? It was a very shit escape room. And we was just sort of like pulling at things to try and find clues because there was and shouting at the man on the intercom thing. Could you tell this story story quicker by just saying we destroyed an escape room? (laughs) 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 It wasn't quite like that, but anyway. So, I yeah. mean, if this was The Mummy or it Raiders of the Lost Ark, you'd be dead, wouldn't you? They would be dead, not us. Poison darts would fly through the wall and lots of <laughs> like boulders would come running dead. It, it was great radio, though, wasn't it? Reading out those clues and everything. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's perfect for Jacob, isn't it? I did really enjoy the few little nuggets of um, Jacob being excited, but then there was a lot of exposition around it, wasn't it? I was quite surprised that Jacob wanted a prize for his efforts that seemed out of character for me yes i i, I um i thought he's it, he'd been infected by kate it was his like first ever kate moment it was a strange um thing for paul to choose as an activity as well i thought not mm. wildly camp well he's going nowhere yeah that's good i mean what you didn't see that paul was literally in a g-string and nothing else <laughs> Oh great. <laughs> That's all right then. I'm glad he's um I'm glad he's sticking around. Even then they yeah, even though too. they did lay with the point. Um they could have just had him take the room, couldn't they? But anyway, you know, it's the archers what mm. you expect. Yeah, I mean there was that bit where they they, they te- sorry, I just wanted to say they teased that Denise was coming back and Alistair yeah. said, Well, you know, um she has to come back because um I want to shag her. Yeah. <laughs> She's an asset to this crotch horny old alistair um, <laughs> but, but uh kerry you uh you are um definitely going to be away next week is that right yeah i'm off to australia next wednesday not next wednesday a week on wednesday something like that anyway we're going to yeah. try and do our best to get um uh, antipodean um southern hemisphere kerry on the show somehow but it but we haven't quite worked out the logistics of what shape or form that's going to be but um, Kerry, have an absolutely amazing time. I hope I speak to you before then. You know what? I might not. So, I, yeah, I will be here next Friday. <laughs> I've just realised. Really? No, <laughs> I no. will be here next. <laughs> I'm so sorry, lads. You thought you'd got rid of me. It's what an anti-climax. No, yeah, because I was trying to be proactively telling you when I was going to be away, which is 31st, 7th, and 14th. That's when I'm away. I've written it on right. a note just to pre-warn you. I'm actually here next Friday. <laughs> There you go. I'm oh. sorry. Well, have a nice week, everyone. <laughs> Kerry, see you next week. <laughs> and um, yeah. <laughs>
I'll see everyone. Bye. I'm sorry. Love you all. Hang on.